everyone. Welcome back to the latest episode of Women Crush Wednesday's podcast from New York Women in Film and Television, where we discuss current events, feature interviews from women working in the industry, highlight the accomplishments of our members, and preview upcoming NYWIFT events. I'm Janine McGoldrick, and a podcast regular Kelsey Marsh is back with us in the co-hosting chair. Hello, Kelsey. Hey, Janine. Thanks for having me back. Oh, thank you so much for coming back. Usually, to start off the episode chatting about newsy industry happenings, and since we are airing a few days after the Emmys, you might expect us to recap some of the highlights, but we're actually recording this just an hour or two before the Emmys are taking place. So we can't comment on any surprises or snubs. Maybe we'll talk about that the next episode. Yeah. So instead of Emmy's talk, we're going to keep it local. And the biggest news out of the city this week is the reopening of Broadway. Yes. The city is, I think, just brimming with energy now. The fact that a lot of shows are coming back. I haven't gotten a ticket to anything yet. I'm I'm hoping I will go see something soon. Is there a show that you're really excited about going to see? Every show. (laughs) Does that count? (laughs) That does count. (laughs) I love theater. A huge fan. I'm very, very happy that Broadway is back. Yes, me too. One show that I was looking forward to before COVID hit, the musical Six. Have you heard about this? I haven't. This is a musical about the six wives of Henry VIII. (gasps) Oh, I have heard of it. Yes. And every wife um, taking on the form of like a pop star. So one is kind of Beyonce-like, the other is like Britney Spears. And the music is supposed to be amazing and energetic. Just sounds like this great reimagining of the story with a very feminist angle. I think that's the first show I want to go get a ticket for. Yeah, I would be right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) So if there's anybody out there who is in theater and has come back to work, If you want to jump on the podcast or if you want to send us a story and just let us know how it was returning, we'd love to hear from you. So give us a shout. All of our information is on the show notes. Also, NYWIFT community, we wanted to let you know that applications are open for the third round of grants from the NYC Women's Fund for Media, Music, and Theater. The NYC Women's Fund was created to address the underrepresentation of female-identified creatives in the entertainment industries. Since the program's launch in 2018, The Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment has awarded $3.5 million to 157 film, theater, and music projects. Yeah, it's such a great program. Qualified applicants can apply for finishing grants through November 1st of 2021. And information is available at the New York Women's Fund website, which is nyfa.org. And we'll have a link to that in our show notes. Everybody out there, definitely take advantage of it. We all need funding right now. And that's kind of a theme of this episode as you'll go on to hear. Definitely check it out. Yeah, that's really the best segue onto our featured interview. This week, Janine talks with film producer Sarah Elizabeth Timmons. Sarah established Life Out Loud Films to create quality, inspiring, impactful films. Her tenacity and drive first made an impression with the success of Lake Effects, starring Jane Seymour. And she went on to co-produce, line produce the feature, Coming Through the Rye with Chris Cooper as legendary J.D. Salinger. And Wish You Well, based on the novel by New York Times bestselling author David Baldacci with Ellen Burstyn, Josh Lucas, and Mackenzie Foy. Most recently, Sarah Field produced the Emmy-nominated HBO docuseries, McMillions, for Mark Wahlberg's company, 
which premiered at Sundance in 2020. And she is in development on several feature films and series. As if she isn't busy enough, she also created No Film School, No Trust Fund, No Problem, which helps indie filmmakers confidently and strategically navigate through the business of film so they can make their project a reality in a fraction of the time. I've attended several of Sarah's workshops and found them extremely informative. I'm so happy that she's with us today. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. Let's jump right into it. On your website, you have a vision statement and a motto that perfectly sums up your outlook on filmmaking. So I wanted to briefly highlight each one that speaks to who you are and what you do. So the first is your vision statement, which states to inspire audiences and filmmakers to follow their passion and live life out loud while also championing women. So what led you to developing that vision for your company? You know, that all stemmed out of my personal experience, um, really. I was working as both an actress and a producer, um, eventually in, in Hollywood. And I really very quickly got a little disheartened by the way things were were running. You know, my heart has always, I spent 10 years as a motivational speaker for high school and college students. And a lot of that work uh, really revolved around inspiring women. Uh, and throughout my life, you know, I, I'm one of three daughters. I'm now, my parents have three grand granddaughters. So <laughs> there's not even any boys in the picture at all. But I just think I come um, by it honestly, I really enjoy working with women. And when I really saw the state of our industry, you know, this is 20 some years ago and the lack of female representation behind the camera right. uh, startled me. And, and I realized how much that affected what we were seeing on the camera, uh, the perspective, and then mm -hmm. how that in turn affects um, our society as a greater whole, you know, how women are portrayed. Um, uh, and that's the example that we set for little girls. So um, I, I saw that as well. There, there's something not right here. And then on the other side of it, as an actress, you know, I was constantly, especially when I moved to LA, was being sent out for roles where they said, wear your short skirt and mm -hmm. high heels and, you know, doll yourself up. And right. it was always the, the, um, I was always either the victim or that, the, or the girlfriend, the girlfriend, everything was sexy. And, mm -hmm. and I finally said to my manager, I said, I don't want to go out for these roles anymore. Um, I, I really want something of more substance. And I kid you not, it stopped. I did not go out on a single audition after that. And so I think it was a combination of all of those experiences where I had this aha moment one day of, I'm, I, I get so much joy out of my motivational speaking, which at the time was, I loved it, but it was kind of a side job to, to trying to make it in Hollywood, quote unquote. And there's got to be a way to put this all together so that I could do what I love. And I want to make a difference as Pollyanna as that sounds in our industry. So, so championing women was really, really important again, in front of and behind the camera, but then also, you know, that has kind of evolved to, it's not just about women that are not represented, it, you know, it, there's so many different groups and populations. So I, that has since really grown into the on, but it's really about telling uh, stories often that were, oh, I was not seeing on screen. Well, I think that leads into your motto, which is don't just make a film, make a difference. Why was that so important to you? You're not just making content to entertain, but that can influence people. Yeah. And it's the influence, I think, in two ways. It's the opportunity that I'm, as a producer, 
I've got a huge responsibility to, you know, what I choose to put out there in the world does affect people. Mm -hmm. So that's a responsibility. But then also I have an opportunity to hire and give opportunity to people that might not otherwise have that. So there's that way of really making a difference, but there's, there's also beyond just providing the opportunity, but also that responsibility that uh, we have in the content that we put out there um, and that ability to really, to create change. You know, I think the the best way to say it is I want to create films that spark conversation mm-hmm. that can then spark action and spark, spark change. And that comes down to, you know, a woman that was an extra in one of our films and she was there every single day, gave it her all. And, um, you know, unfortunately she's not with us anymore, but her mother told me, it told me at her, at her funeral, how, how much it meant to her and how it absolutely changed her outlook on life to be able to be a part of this film and be a part of something that, that was so exciting and allowed her, gave her a creative outlet. So it's those stories really that, um, that are just as important as making a film. Yeah. And that's important that you actually would recognize that, you know, a lot of people don't even pay attention to the people on the periphery of a set. Everybody has a role and every role is important. It's so, it's so true. It's absolutely true. I agree. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Film Coop believes in the power of female filmmakers. Therefore, our inaugural location tour event is dedicated to women and the stories they tell. Join us Thursday, September 30th to Sunday, October 3rd for a colorful community building weekend of conversations, film screenings, and a tour of some of the many beautiful locations at Sigo County and the Mohawk Valley have to offer. From picturesque Cooperstown to Oneonta, the city of the hills, to smaller hamlets steeped in history, there is a location just waiting to be incorporated into your next project. Visit www.film-coop.com for further details, because there is no ceiling over Glimmerglass Lake. In your work as a producer, what do you think was the hardest, or what do you find as the hardest thing in creating a film? Everybody usually says, I was just going to say money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no different than that. You know, it's no different. I think I, I, there are a lot of parts of it that are difficult and maybe because now it's like, it always feels like that one hurdle is finding the money because Mm -hmm. as a producer, my job is not to know everything. My job is to surround myself with people that are really good at what they do, that know their craft and can help create this, this bigger vision. Like I, I might find the the script or work with a writer to to develop it but at the end of the day it is all of us coming together for that that single vision so once you've done that though it's the obstacle seems to be identifying Mm -hmm. the money and and that's that if if anything delays the film right we all think oh i'm going to be shooting by next fall and then you know eight years later you're, you're still trying to get there so i would say money hands down so that's me into what you created. No film school, no trust fund, no problem. I love that name. Explain what that is. It's my journey. And, and, and I think it's a lot. I would say 90% of filmmakers journey. It's, I did not ha- uh, come from money. I did not know and run in circles with very wealthy individuals. I also never went to film school. So when I really got started, it was, you know, there's no one way that anyone in this industry makes it. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that the people that really do embrace what they have and their assets and what makes them different and use that to find a way to, to get their film made and no film school, no trust fund, no problem was like, look, didn't have any, any connections. There was nothing special about me. I was not Spielberg's daughter. (laughs) Um, and, and I, um, and I didn't have the education, but I figured it out and I made a film first film that we ended up licensing the Hallmark and I've gone on to make many others. So, you know, what really spurred that is I had to learn a lot and figure it out from scratch because I did not find one resource that to go to, to, to figure it out. And I learned so much and I spent years just having conversations with friends or filmmakers would say, can I pick your brain? How did you do this? And, and that was happening so often. I thought, well, I should probably put this into a, a format that is more digestible, easier to digest. Um, so that, and I thought of it, like, what would I want to include? It's what I wish I would have had mm-hmm. when I started this journey and what essentially has taken me 20 some years to, to figure out. And I, and I don't have it all figured out. But I'll tell you what, had I had my courses, I, I would have jumped over a lot of the time I spent making mistakes and trying to figure things out. Like I would have cut that time, you know, it would have been a quarter of the time probably, if not even sooner to get all this done. So, and, and I think that no filmmaker should have to go through the process. Like most filmmakers are not business men and women. Mm-hmm. They are creatives and it gets frustrating. It's almost like that is the one thing that stops them from making their film because it's so scary and they get overwhelmed and then they just, they, they stop and never make it. So if, and I am one of those weird individuals that was born with equal balance of creative and, and business. So I thought, well, if I could just create a blueprint on the business side of things, mm-hmm. and obviously that brings in some of the creative as well. Hopefully more filmmakers will, will not get stuck and call it quits but be encouraged to continue to move forward. And I think that's part of it too, is when I did look into what was out there and there's, there are really some great teachers and great educational programs out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but just naturally where I come from is I, I think that you can get the education and you can learn the facts. Mm-hmm. Obviously we all know that actually putting it into practice, which is how I learned um, is probably the most effective way than just reading about how to produce a film. Right. But I think that, people overlook the importance of motivation and inspiration. You could have all the information, but what are you going to do with it? If you're not feeling encouraged and motivated and inspired, then it's nothing. So I really, I guess it's natural. So I shouldn't say I try to do it, but I do make sure that all of our programs have those components so that you have some accountability and you feel like not just do I have the the, uh, knowledge to do it, but I, I saw, here's someone else's story who has done it. And I bring in a lot of people that are going through the same journey I do just to almost as expanders um, for all of the filmmakers that I work with. So it's a combination of a lot. Highlight a couple of the programs that you do offer. I know one that I took that I found very informative was developing a deck. I found that extremely useful. And not only the information you gave me, but through the chat, I was speaking to some other filmmaker from Los Angeles, and he actually walked through and helped me on Google Slides and gave me so much information. And with that, my deck improved 100%. What other types of programs and workshops do you offer? I love what you said, because I think I just want to touch on it because it's important Mm -hmm. is once we actually see someone else doing it or see how it's supposed to happen. Then it's like, 
oh, okay. But in our industry, so many people keep things so close to the vest because it's proprietary information. So I think just opening the door for you to be able to go, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. And oh, here's some tools. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be a graphic. Like we we don't have to be a graphic designer. You don't have to be a DP to create a sizzle. Like there are ways around it. So I love that you, you said that, but, um, so the, the main course is broken up into three different programs. Um, there's the most popular, which is raising money and finding investors. Mm -hmm. Then there is the second one, which is keeping your quality high, but the budget low which is really focused on choices in, in production. And then the third one is understanding distribution and marketing. And they really kind of encompass, technically you think it's the beginning of the process and development, you know, what you're doing in production. And then of course the, the post side of it, the marketing mm-hmm. distribution. But what's interesting is I tell filmmakers, don't wait until you need that section you should be you should be starting mm-hmm. with making sure that you understand distribution and marketing because that is going to affect all the choices that you make down to who you cast down to the the final script that you end up shooting so it's what filmmakers understand is you need it, you know you need that overview of all of those and then yes go back and kind of dig into it more when you're in those phases but you will be shocked at the information of how it's really going to inform you early on and change your ability to make that film and and for that film to be a success. So those are the three, it's a series and then they're broken into those three. So somebody could purchase the entire series or they could do them each all a la carte. And then of course we have our mini workshops. Um, You did the deck one and then there's one on finding your first 100 investor leads. Um, So, and, and then there is another one, which is like, the the development package, which is for the filmmakers that have said to me over and over again, like, I'm ready to make my film. I don't know how to, you know, how to find investors. And I don't know the documents, like, what do I need in order to take money? And, and what is all the legal stuff and, you know, the accounting. So that program pretty much like we do that for them. And we, we need to work with them, but they, mm-hmm. they get the prospectus, their pro forma, the, the legal documents that we do, an attorney does have to look over, but they're ready to go and ready to start pitching investors and hopefully fully understand their waterfall and everything. So- and your website also includes just some other key learnings that people can go on and video lessons that you have that are free. And you also do happy hours that are free as well. Talk a little bit about what people can find on your website and at the happy hours as well. And it is a balance. And no matter where you are, we want to provide support. And it's it is um, the free programs. It is the paid master classes online, and then it's one on one support for people that just want to dig in and 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 deal with what they're concerned with right now. And um, we do offer the happy hours are, are one of those. Um, how do you say this? COVID is horrible, but it was one of those <laughs> like special surprises that came out of COVID where. I had had so many clients I'd been working with the year right before I'd been going and doing master classes in person. And I just, everyone was, what do we do? We don't have a community, like the world's ending. And so it was a one-time happy hour to just discuss that and to encourage people and talk about it. And from then on, it was, it was weekly to start, um, which was crazy. And then I think it went down to every other week and it has continued on since March at the start of COVID. And, um, it became, it's become, there's so many professionals that I know, you know, in, in all facets of um, the industry, casting directors, distributors, and filmmaking accountants or attorneys. So I started bringing them on. So every happy hour, I bring on a guest. It's free. Anybody can attend. It's an hour. 
it's that guest sharing their story and answering questions from people that show up on the happy hour. And it really is to give a more well-rounded look at the industry and also to kind of bridge that gap so that the reason it's there is you can ask questions. You can talk to them directly. So the happy hours there, the blog, um, we're constantly adding videos. A lot of when I do my one-on-ones with filmmakers, sometimes I'll have a really good conversation or there'll be like a consistent question that'll keep coming up. And so I'll just put myself on video and I'll talk about it. And, mm-hmm. and then we just put it out there so that anybody can download it. So um, the blog is another area where free videos or resources or articles that I found um, filmmakers can just access. And how important is it for you to help other people along in their career? Because one thing that you talked about in your bio was that while you were working on Tattered Angel with Linda Carter, that that production team kind of saw something in you and helped you and kind of gave you your first official producing gig. And and it seems that maybe from that experience, you then decided, people have done this for me. I want to do that for other people. That experience on the first film was changing. And I I firmly believe that what we do, a lot of it can be taught, but there's this thing inside of so many people. It's it's a there's a spark. It is the base skills to be able to communicate and get stuff done and not take no for an answer. And the determinedness to to see something through, um, you know, those are skills that when I see it in somebody, yes, that that did happen to me. But I think it's so much of our industry, unfortunately, it, it's relationships. I mean, networking right. is key, and I tell everybody, network, network, network. But if if you don't come from being in a circle where that that comes easily, or you know, people are not opening the doors to hear their story because they don't have the resume. How do you build a resume unless somebody gives you an opportunity to build it? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it, it's a big part. That's, I know I've, I've used this phrase a couple of times, but it lights me up. Like I want, somebody did it to me and I feel like I have an eye to be able to see that in other people. And when I do, I absolutely give them an opportunity. And, and quite frankly, I'll give someone an opportunity until they prove me they're incapable of, of, of moving forward, but the number of people that I've given an assistant job and then they've left one of our productions and they've actually gotten a, a legitimate credit that will help them. Mm-hmm. That's what it's, that's what it's about. So, yeah, I think that's part of what the happy hours and it's, if somebody just needs that to hear that one thing to mm-hmm. keep going or that one thing that clicks in their brain and goes, Oh, that's how I'm going to do it. That'll make me happy <laughs> if every day I know that I can affect somebody like that. So what kind of things are you working on now? What can we look forward to from you in the year to come? Well, in the vein of never give up, (laughs) I have a film that I've been working on now for eight or nine years that um, we now have a a talent attached and it looks like we have the rest of our funding. So um, we're going to, yes, yes, finally. Um, But you never, you know, don't ever count it until it's in the bank and you're in you're in production. But um, so hopefully in the spring we'll be shooting that. And then I have ten other projects that are actively in development. So a lot of them are at the phase of attaching directors or talent. You know, package is really big these days. So um, to have a great script is important, but really also being able to attach that other piece of of the pie that that makes it you know a shinier object. So um, I'm doing that both unscripted scripted and we're actually working on our first series uh based on a a female-led true story so um 
there, there's a lot in the works. And I would say I spend half-ish of my time um, developing the projects mm-hmm. and I spend the other half uh, working with, with filmmakers. Which do you like better? Or are they equally both exciting to you? They're equally both exciting <laughs> to me. I think, I don't know, these days I tend to really enjoy working with filmmakers. Um, if I'm going to be honest more, but it's also because I'm in development. So mm-hmm. when you're on set and things are actually happening, you know, then you get more of the, um, you get more of that positive, okay, it's moving and it might fill me up a little bit more, but I do, I love them both. So um, I would never just give up one for the other. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think I could, I think they go, they go hand in hand. I'm constantly learning. And the more I learn by being on set and pitching agents and directors, like then I can share that mm-hmm. with the students I'm working with. And the students teach me stuff every day. I've gotten great ideas or big ahas just from working with filmmakers that make me a better filmmaker. So that was going to be one of my questions. What have you learned from working from filmmakers? That's a good question. This might be the case probably for any industry, but when you're in an industry for, for so long, whatever that, however you qualify it so long, but for a while, um, it's like that you lose the newness and you lose the excitement. And then you're like, okay, now that I'm in this industry, this is the way things are supposed to work. And this is how you're supposed to go out to an agent, how you're supposed to attach talent. And you kind of forget a little bit of that pioneer spirit within you that really got like the risks that you took and the people that you reached out to blindly, even though you probably shouldn't have, that got you where you are. And um, so that is a spirit that, you know, that energy and that enthusiasm and the, the fearlessness that a lot of the filmmakers I work with now, it reminds me, yep, that you had that and that's how you got where you are. So mm-hmm. don't suddenly get all professional and forget that 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 spark is is part of how you got there and you can't ever lose it you you can never kind of sit and rest on the fact that oh I've made several films so now I could just call this person up and 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 play by the books it's like you always have to have that that spark and that risk taking you know within the parameters right of what what is acceptable um so I think that, I think it's just that, that spark and that newness to what we're doing and, and uh, not being afraid to take no for an answer. No is not an option. And my greatest superpower, and I'll swear by it till this day, is my ability to think outside of the box. Because I didn't go to film school, I actually had an advantage because I was not thinking about the way it should be done. I was just thinking about, here's the problem. I need to raise money. What can I do? And sometimes it was, you know, cutting costs. So, um, what would be the most unique way that you raise money? I definitely did a lot of sponsorship. I mean, if you can get a community engaged, um, a lot of our films were in a specific location. And so people there didn't just want to invest in a film to make money. You have to think of how do I appeal to somebody's why? For a lot of them, they wanted to build economic development and tourism in the area. This became a calling card. They wanted to be a part of something cool. So I really had to embrace that. And I went directly to the communities on our first several films. And that's how we raised the money because it was it was giving them ownership of the film. And um, because they had ownership of it, and you're not just making a film and leaving, they then became a champion. So not only did they give money because you were helping them, um, helping them meet their why, but then they brought in other people that they knew that had similar whys. So I'd say that. And then also it was about cutting back. A lot of mine was less about raising the money. It was definitely about raising the money, but it was about cutting costs. 
I got Sky Miles donated. We never paid for a single flight. We had nine actors come in from LA and people donated miles and we used that. I got donations of, I mean, day old bagels and, and produce. (laughs) And I mean, rental cars completely donated from, um, from car companies, like, um, car lots, they always have used cars. And so Mm -hmm. I really got a lot of donations and that's how I really was able to fund our first film. Wow. That's really smart. Uh, and I think that's really valuable information that people can start thinking about, uh, while they're in their production. And one final question before we wrap things up, I know you spoke about networking and that's obviously something that people talk about all the time. Meet people, talk to people, get out there. That's how you find stuff. But besides networking, no matter what area of the industry you're in, whether you're a costume designer or an actress or a producer or, you know, a gaffer, what other advice would you give somebody that's either just starting out or maybe hitting some kind of slump? I mean, with COVID, a lot of people were out of work. If you could besides not taking it off for an answer, what would be the next step? I think, think it would be look inward. We are so quick to try to look at what everyone else is doing and try to replicate it or, you know, uh, and, and I think that we forget that, and it's twofold, where you are your own brand, mm-hmm. right? And you are different than anyone else. So what you're bringing to the table and your assets are going to be different. And instead of trying to be like everyone else and look at what you don't have going for you, look at what you do have going for you, the locations that you have access to, the people that you know, and or who you are, your, your quirks, your the lovely things about you. And that is a perspective that the world needs to see. And that is a way of going about things that others might not be able to utilize. So really get get really clear on your why, why you're doing what you're doing and who you are. And I think if you let that lead you, you can't go wrong. I love that. That's really great. And that's a wonderful thing to end on. But before we do, I want to let our listeners know that in the spirit that Sarah obviously gives in everything that she does in giving back, she has a special gift for for our listeners. She has generously offered a 15% discount on all classes and one-on-one sessions for our Women Crush Wednesday community. Just go to lifeoutloudfilms.com and use the code CRUSH15. And we're going to have links to her website and to all of her social media and anything else on our show notes. Sarah, thank you for that. And thank you so much for being on our podcast and giving your wonderful inspiration. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your time with us and to speak about your expertise. What I really appreciated most about this interview, Janine, is when Sarah said, you are your own brand. Mm -hmm. Look at what you have going for you. That is a perspective the world needs to see. And that's not something that I've heard often. Usually I hear that when it's related to being sort of an on-camera personality or someone who's above the line, but as someone who works below the line, it really also applies to me, I think, because so much of our industry is built on networking, as Sarah mentioned as well. And you really do need to be clear on, on your why, on who you are, and let that lead you. 
So I really thank you for booking her (laughs) and having the conversation. (laughs) Yes, you're welcome. It is great to hear that perspective. So much in this business, you compare yourself to somebody else, no matter, like you said, if you're above the line or below the line and you think, I should be doing what that person's doing or look how they succeeded in this. I should be doing that. Instead of thinking, well, that's what they bring to the table. But what do I bring to the table? I love how she points that out. You certainly see her roots as a motivational speaker and in helping other people and filmmakers through their journey and looking inward, as she said, is so important. I really encourage everyone to check out her website. She has so much on there. As she mentioned, content and videos that are free. She has so much valuable information. Then if you want to take a workshop, you can do that. Or if you just want to attend one of her free happy hours, you could sign up for email news alerts to let you know when those are going to be. With that, now we're going to check in with our own Katie Chambers for a quick NYWIFT programming update. Hey listeners, Katie here. We have two more programs before we close out the month of September, and we hope that you will join us. First up, the NYWIFT member screening of two interesting films that both tackle the ideas of parenthood and family in unique ways. The feature film When We Grow Up by Grace Hanoi and the short film Langston Hughes' No Crystal Stare by Kathleen Campbell. You can check those out virtually anytime Thursday, September 23rd through Monday, September 27th online. And then also join us on Monday the 27th for a Q&A with Grace and Kathleen. Then we also will have the season premiere of NYWIF Talks, a very special conversation with showrunner Sarah Burgess to talk about her new series, Impeachment American Crime Story. Catch that on September 29th. You can register for these and all other upcoming events by going to our website, nywift.org events. Thanks. We hope to see you there. Thank you, Katie. So Janine, what do you want to recommend this week? So this week, we're out of summer. We're heading into the fall, but I want to talk about the summer of soul. This is just an insane story. Over the course of six weeks in the summer of 1969, which was the same time that Woodstock took place, and everybody's heard of Woodstock, right? No matter how old you are, you know Woodstock, you've heard the story, you've seen the films, you've seen the videos, everything. Well, at that same time, New York City's Harlem Cultural Festival was filmed at the Mount Morris Park, which is now the Marcus Garvey Park. And that footage was shelved and forgotten about until Questlove created this amazing documentary called The Summer of Soul. Mm. And it's part concert film, part historical record about this epic event that celebrated Black history and culture and fashion. Performances include a very young up-and-comer. I'm not sure if you'll recognize the name, Stevie Wonder. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, who was actually playing the drums, I believe. Wow. Which I don't, it's footage. Nobody has seen this footage ever. Uh, there's also Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mahalia Jackson, B.B. King, The Fifth Dimension, and so much more. The music is incredible. And it's just a shame that it took 50 decades for this footage to be found and seen. It's just perfection. It's on Hulu. I I think everybody should close out their summer by watching this amazing documentary. Absolutely. And kudos to those that saved the footage. Yeah. 
archival producers. Thank God someone put it somewhere carefully and it stood the test of time and didn't deteriorate. And so what, what about you? What have you been enjoying? Sort of on that same vein, if you will, um, I recently watched Crip Camp, very late to the game there, but that's just generally who I am always behind the top. <laughs> well, don't feel so bad because I haven't seen it yet either. So yeah, it was a really good film, just beautifully told. But also recently, I started watching Little Fires Everywhere. Mm-hmm. I wrote the book, Fell in Love. And um, I adore Reese Witherspoon, Carrie Washington, and they just bring those characters to life in a way that I didn't think was possible on screen. And so I'm very pleased with this adaptation. See, I didn't read the book. I just saw the miniseries. So it's good to know. Yeah. And then I actually, funny enough, had this exact conversation earlier today with some friends and they had a few recommendations that I'm sure a ton of our listeners have heard of Bridgerton, Mm -hmm. not seen (laughs) Uh, Ted Lasso, the morning show. We were just talking about Ted Lasso last episode. Oh, I, I, it's good because then people who hear it that haven't watched it will finally say, okay, I have to finally see it. Everybody keeps talking about it. Everyone is talking mm-hmm. to see it everywhere. I mean, kudos to them for running a very sleek PR campaign during this Emmy <laughs> uh, because I'm just inundated with it. Uh, but it also really does seem like that feel good comedy that we all need right now. Right. Right. Uh, and as you were saying, the morning show is just returning for season two. Looking forward to that. So yeah. a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Great, great choices. Listeners, if you have something great to recommend that we haven't talked about other than Ted Lasso, um, and you want to share your funny, salacious, inspiring story from your career, email us your audio file or a written submission, which we will narrate. And our email is communications at nywift.org and names and project titles can be kept anonymous. So reach out. Yeah, please don't be shy. Send us any comments, interview suggestions or nomination for our Women Crush Wednesday Spotlight segment, which will return next month. Be sure you have subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a five-star review. Till we meet again, keep on crushing it.